Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Rabia and Ellen solve the case ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Hey, Ellen. Hi, Rabia. All right. There's more to talk about here. So much more. There is so much more. So this is part two of our coverage of the Brittany Stikes case. So please, if you happen upon this episode, please pause this, go back and listen to part one with the gent James Roday, who brought this case to our attention. Neither one of us had heard of this case before that, right? Yeah, yeah, we hadn't. And it is, God, it's a heartbreaking case. And, you know, I'll say after having recorded it and like, you know, there's there's so much more to talk about. There's so much more. I'm still not quite sure we're, yeah. I mean. I like landing on different sides with you, though. That's fun. It, yeah, that that is true. But I might be flipping flopping some more in the future. You never know. Yeah. But it's a, I want folks to listen in and tell us what you think. Yeah, we flip flop on our opinions, but I think everybody who has ears on this podcast can agree all we want is justice for this family Absolutely. and justice for Brittany. This family is tremendous. I cannot believe we got the chance to speak with them in our Patreon. We will go in depth a little bit more about talking to them and what it means for a family. You know this as well as anybody else, what it means to a case for a family to be this engaged. They're incredible advocates. And it's this kind of advocacy that in the long run might finally pay off. A lot of cases go cold for decades. Yeah. For yeah. decades. Yeah. And you can't blame people for doing that oh, as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People sure. have lives and jobs and things, and no family is better family than dies. the other. People yeah. die. Yeah. But we will be talking more on our Patreon. If you are not on our Patreon, that is where we're doing a lot of bonus content. We're giving you speak pipe episodes, ad-free episodes. We would love for you to come and join us and join the conversation there. You can find us on patreon.com. Search for Rabia and Ellen. And there is tons of conversations going on there. And we just love keeping the conversation going. That's the whole reason we started this podcast, right, Rabia? Yep. And you get to hang out with us live on Zooms once a month. Yeah. And don't forget, if you have not got tickets to our live show, those are still available. So message us. But without further ado, we definitely have to get to this amazing family. Let's do it. On with the show. Hi, Ellen. How are you? Hi, Rabia. We are so grateful that you all are here. We are sitting here with the Dodson family, David, Mary, and Emily. And right before we signed on, I said, I I feel like I know them because I've seen their faces and I've heard their voices. As we said in part one, our dear friends at Culpable did amazing coverage of the story of their sister and daughter, Brittany. So welcome. Thank you. First of all, you all are are so lovely. I was saying to Emily via text that you all really, we, we, Rabia and I have been doing this for a long time and a lot of families are out there and putting their story out there, but you guys are really, really out there in a very special, loving way. I reached out to Emily and she answered right away. I just get this on your Facebook group and I just get this tremendous sense of family and love. So I'm just, I'm so happy to look at your faces. Thank you. Look, I I understand like over the course of time, like, you know, the difficulty it is to keep pushing and pushing. But the fact that even this many years on, you are so just on it, responsive, like active. I mean, it's it's remarkable. It takes a lot of determination to do that. And so I'm, I'm just in awe of you guys. We are a very dedicated family, dedicated to each other. We always yeah. have been. So it's not that hard for us. <laughs> 
that's that really shines through for sure. Thank you. I just want to start by just saying, how are you guys today? How are you guys individually and as a family, both regarding Brittany and just in your lives today? We would love to hear about anything you want to share. Well, it's it was a big change for us. We've always been close. We've always been a family that pretty much kids, grandkids and everything, eating supper together every evening and all that kind of thing. It puts a, um, a damper on that. But as close as we were and as close as we still are, we rely on each other. And we, we still do things together. If you see David and I out, we've usually got one of the kids or some of the grandkids or something with us. And uh, we spend a, a lot of our free time together. So we always knew how important all that was being together and memories, making memories and everything, but it's made it even stronger for us that we have now went through a loss of Brittany and miss her in everything we do. David and I and the kids will go on out on the motorcycles or out on the side-by-sides and we'll get somewhere and he'll look at me and I'll look at him and say, well, Brittany would have loved this. So um, it was, it's hard. It's been hard. There's always that she's not with us missing her and that sort of thing. But we still genuinely get together and do things together as a family as a whole. Can I ask about Aubrey? How's she doing? She's doing very well. She will be 11 years old. She's gorgeous. In June. Mm-hmm. She's doing wonderful at school. And she's, she's a spitting image of her mom. Yeah, she's a, she's, a, she's a go-getter, that girl is. So I saw that in her picture. I was like, oh my gosh. Wait, did, mm-hmm. uh, did Brittany have red hair too? No, 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 no. But other than the red hair. Yeah. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, Emily started a pretty popular Facebook group that has caused Brittany's story to go viral. And I know that you guys understand the importance of just getting eyes, ears, keyboards on the story because so many stories don't get enough attention. Unfortunately, there are so many missing people and cases that are unresolved. It's it's really devastating. And I know you guys are doing all the right things. I also think it's really admirable that the first thing Emily said to me yesterday was like, we are not going to be negative. We are not pointing fingers. You keep your Facebook group very respectful with the goal always being trying to find out what happened to Brittany. Yes. And I do know that's really hard considering how contentious and emotional and how many rumors are out there. How do you as a family sort of rise above it knowing that there's so many different stories and people and allegations? What does that feel like to you? So we, everyone wants their five seconds of fame and they have something to say or something to add. And a lot of it, you know, we'll listen to it and they'll take stories or evidence that, that, that have been told and it's already been investigated. And we're like, well, no, this isn't accurate because the sheriff's department's already looked into it. So we're not going to bring this up again. And I try to shut down those false rumors. But if somebody does post a theory or a tip that I think may be relevant or that the sheriff's department hasn't seen at all, I usually screenshot it and we'll turn it in. Yeah. And they usually work mm. that avenue and they'll be like, well, yes, it took us somewhere or no, it didn't. And that's usually how we go about it. I try to sort through the theories and the, the comments that are false and try to answer them back with a statement from the sheriff's department just to kind of keep things clean and on the right path. Mm-hmm. And it all started... When um, it's it's coming up to 10 years 
that we've lost Brittany. And it's going to be 10 years that we're going to do in May, her balloon release for her birthday. And then in August, when um, we lost her, that will be the 10, the 10 year mark. And David and I was discussing one day about, you know, Dave, how long should we keep doing this? Um, what do you think? And we were bouncing off of each other, you know, opinions and this and that. And our daughter heard us and it upset her that she thought maybe we were giving up or that we were going to stop doing it. And she took it upon herself to make this the first post about support that mom and dad was feeling. Maybe there wasn't as much support out there. And this and, was before the Facebook group Yeah, got this started. was before the Facebook group got started. And then the next thing you know, she's talking to one of Brittany's best friends, Taryn, and they started the Facebook page and it just took off. Mm-hmm. So when did you start the Facebook page? How long has it been? It's been eight months. Mm-hmm. Eight months. Wow. So be, was it? It was after Culpable came out. No, no, no. It was no, right it was, before. It was right before. It was right before Culpable. Oh, came out. it was before. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. Because yeah. that's actually um, the Facebook page is how we got a lot of the podcasts and news media reaching out to me. Is where it went viral and it was getting all this attention. And then I also took it upon myself to email and annoy people until they answered me. <laughs> um, and that's how I started getting all the media attention because I didn't want anyone to forget her story. So I kept mm-hmm. reaching out and the Facebook group kept kept growing and it's just evolved from there. Can I ask you, I mean, you kind of answered the question a little bit because my question was like, I know it's always a tough calculation to decide. I work with a lot of different families who are, you know, either they have a an innocent person incarcerated or their victim's family. And they're like, should we should we be public about this? Because you attract all kinds of crazy too when you do it. Like you got to really weigh the, the benefits and the disadvantages of doing it. It sounds like because you felt like you needed more like support and awareness and how has it been dealing with like trolls and like the, and negativity? Because there's no way to block it on the internet. Once you're out there, you're out there. So definitely I knew that there were consequences to social media with everything. Someone has something they're going to judge you on or they're going to troll about. So I made it a point on the group when we started it to tell people if you started drama or antagonizing fights or anything like that, you know, we're, we don't do the name calling. We don't do the cursing at people like we're, we're not we're not about that. That's not what I'm for. And that's not what the group's for. So that was one of the stipulations when people joined the group was if you read the details about it. If you do begin to cause problems, we delete you from the group and ban you. Yeah. One of the things that really struck me, which is what inspired me to reach out to you, Emily, was your particular episode talking about your relationship with Brittany and just how close you guys, I got chills, (laughs) how close you guys were. And we do understand this is an ongoing investigation. So we want to be very careful with the things that we ask you and the things that you answer. But I know a lot of listeners that will hear our episode and that might hear culpable are women who are victims of domestic violence. And we take that really very, very seriously. And the things that you were mentioning were very upsetting. And maybe as a child, you didn't recognize it. But I felt, and please correct me if I'm wrong, I felt like at the time, Brittany might have been shielding you from some things that were going on. Did you find out any more in terms of any in-home violence or what she might have been suffering with? Because sometimes it's hardest to tell the people that are closest to you. I know that Brittany was going through a lot and she always did do her best to kind of shield me with things. 
And a lot of times if, you know, I did or hear something or see something, she would be like, it's not what you think. And she tried to change the story, trying to change the narrative. And she definitely would be like, don't say anything. You just stay to yourself. Everything's fine. And she would just try and reassure me that everything was okay. So she definitely did her part to try and shield me from any of that that was going on. David, um, Mary, were you guys aware that that Brittany was experiencing violence at home? No, no, we weren't. Not until, well, of course, Emily being small, she didn't say anything. She did her sister's wishes. Brittany didn't want me to. And then there were times, there was discussions that Brittany had with her father where she was worried about uh, mentioning to Shane that she was pregnant again. That kind mm-hmm. of stuff. I cried. There was, but as far as the other stuff going on, no, no, there wasn't. The one thing that worried <laughs> me the most there wasn't any awareness of it. There was no awareness of anything like that. But Brittany sat out in my garage one day and cried, and I said, "You know, honey, you got to tell Shane you're pregnant." Mm-hmm. And she just started crying, and she says, "Dad, you don't know what'll happen. Mm-hmm. You have no clue what's going to happen." And I said, well, honey, if you're afraid to tell him, I'll go tell him. It doesn't bother me. And Brittany said, no, I'll do it in in due time. And she she left it at that. Hmm. Yeah. And I also know that right before Brittany was killed, they had gotten into it, which it was on Culpable, where we talked about Brittany being here and the phone call in between her and Shane and that she was going to tell him she was pregnant. Well, after that, Brittany had decided, you know, she had kind of talked to all of us about it. And she was like, I'm really not sure where to go from here. She's like, I, you know, she just told us that she wasn't really sure what to do, that something felt off, but she wasn't sure. So Mm -hmm. I know that when I was there, I helped her box some of her stuff up. And what she had told us was what she had told me was, well, I'm just going through my stuff and boxing some of it up. And you just helped me. So I helped her, you know, pack some of her stuff up because she had told me she was going through it and just trying to get rid of things. But mm-hmm. the rest of us, we didn't even know that was transpiring until after she was gone. And I went over there to get an outfit to for her to be buried in. And here's all her clothes and everything in bags and different stuff going on. And that's when I confronted Emily. And I said, Emily, I said, why is all your sister's stuff packed up and what's going on? And she says, Molly, she says, Brittany wanted me to help her pack things up. Mm-hmm. How old was Emily at the time? 12. 12 oh, she was 15. so young. Okay. Yeah. So Shane, Shane would have seen that Brittany has packed up all this stuff. Well, apparently what Emily said was he had mentioned it to Brittany, asked her about it, and she said she was going to donate the stuff. Rabia, we didn't even know we were going to be talking about Athena Club, and we were talking about Athena Club as we were just getting ready today, weren't we? God's honest truth. Yes, we were. The Athena's Club razor has thousands of five-star reviews from customers, and it's designed with built-in skin guards to help prevent razor burn while being gentle on our curves. You all have to understand, this razor blade is surrounded by a water-activated serum with shea butter and hyaluronic acid, which everybody knows is the best thing. 
And the second best thing of the Athena Club Razor is the price. The kit is only $9, comes with two blade heads and a magnetic hook for shower storage. And your choice of handle color, like I said, I went with lavender. I have pink. And you never have to think about refills because you choose how often you want your replacement blades shipped to you for free. And you'll never get stuck with an overused blade. And that's the thing that gives you all the razor burn and everything. Athena Club also has the most amazing shave foam. It's going to leave your skin soft, hydrated, and smooth. So show your skin you care with the Athena Club Razor Kit. Head to athenaclub.com and use the code SOLVETHECASE for 25% off your first order. Again, that's athenaclub.com and use code SOLVETHECASE for 25% off. Athena Club also launched in Target stores nationwide this month, so make sure to check out the shaving aisle to buy their products in-store in real life. It is time to start gardening. I'm so excited. And you cannot garden without your own compost. I mean, really, if you're going to do it right. Do you love your Lomi more than you love me? Listen, do you know how long it takes to compost normally? Mm -hmm. I mean, you put in some eggshells. Five months later, you might get some like soil out of them, but not with Lomi. It is an overnight process. It's amazing. I am very eco-conscious. I've always been a little eco-conscious snob, but I have to say I throw away so much less garbage and that makes Mm. me feel better. It's not going into landfills. It's not producing methane. Instead, I turn my waste into nutrient-rich dirt that I can feed to my plants. What are you growing this spring, Rabia? Oh, you know, I got some cucumbers, girl. Truth is, I've been collecting the compost, the beautiful dirt that's being made by my Lomi for a while, just waiting for the frost to end so I can like fertilize my garden with it. I'm just so excited. So if you want to start making a positive environmental impact, which I hope you do, or just make cleanup after dinner that much easier, Lomi is perfect for you. Head to Lomi.com slash solve the case and use the promo code solve the case to get $50 off your Lomi. That's $50 off when you head to L-O-M. MI.com slash solve the case and use promo code solve the case at checkout. Food waste is gross. Let Lomi save you a cold trip out to the garbage can. I know you co-parent little Aubrey. You guys do your best to remain a united front in front of her. How is your relationship with Shane right now? There's, there's really not one. I mean, we speak and... and We pick her up and drop her off and David will speak to him, but there isn't one. We're always civil with each other because of Aubrey. Yeah. So, you know... Aubrey is... We we do her like we did Emily when she was little. We protect her. We protect her innocence. A child should have that as long as they can. And so we go as above and beyond as we can to keep her away from all this. There'll be a time when I know... She'll get be older and she'll come to us and she'll say, what do you, you know, what happened to my mother? And I'm hoping someday we have those answers for her, that we can honestly say, this is it, honey. But mm-hmm. at this point, we don't have that. But we also have saved all the articles, all the Everything. newspapers, anything that's mentioned, Brittany, we've saved for her. So when she's older, she'll be able to look back on it and, you know, see what happened. You guys are putting me through it today. Can I <laughs> ask you, does she have... Do you know if she has any awareness of, like, why the relationship between you and Shane is strained? Like, you know, like, or a- a- any idea that there might be some responsibility there? 
on our side, we've made it a point not, not to, to badmouth. We don't badmouth do anyone. We don't believe in we it. We don't belittle anything. And we don't accuse anyone of anything. That's been our whole thing. We do yeah. not want to falsely okay. accuse anyone. Mm-hmm. So we definitely try to shield her from that on our side. On Aubrey's side, she, uh, she says her dad calls us the Dodsons. And that's where he leaves it. I mean, so. <laughs> you are truly amazing just to, to rise above it. Rising above it is is very hard. So well, the most you're... important thing is that Aubrey has a good childhood. Yep. Brittany would want that. We, we, we do what's expected. Yeah. We had some questions because there's a lot of answers that are classified right now because this is an ongoing investigation. Rabia and I were going back and forth trying to find some information and I kept saying they won't disclose this information. Is your relationship with Quinn Carlson, do you guys have a really open line of communication? I've heard he's very responsive. What is that relationship like in terms of the ongoing investigation? If I call him and he doesn't answer, he will usually call me back as soon as he gets the opportunity. Mm -hmm. And Head Sheriff, Mr. Ellis, we have an open communication. I mean, I called him the other day and said, hey, I'd just like to come in, sit and talk about the case. And mm-hmm. he was, how soon can you get here? I'll sit here and wait for you. So, Do you feel like everything from the jump was handled correctly? Do you have anything that you wish would have been done differently? No, from the beginning, with them, yes. But from the very beginning of when we lost uh, Brittany, with the first detectives, no. Nothing was done the way it should have been. BCI wanted to come in on the case, and they were not allowed in, in on the case. Brown County said, no, we'll do it in-house. They didn't come in till three years later when David and I went to the prosecuting attorneys and said, hey, look, we need them in this. I definitely think that there was some corruption from the beginning with I, the first yes. officers, but the new team that's got it now definitely seems like they're trying. And they're working all the avenues that they can. They stay in connection with us. They can't really give us any information on what's going on with the case because it is ongoing. But they definitely are still working. It. Yeah. I, yesterday when we were recording the first part of this, that was one thing I was like, it's so clear to me that this was a really botched investigation. Oh, yes. Because I feel like this was an eminently closable case, a solvable well, case. One thing I never understood in the first part of the investigation is I know in the beginning, they always look at the spouse. I understand that, but they never came and talked to me and Mary until I called the sheriff's department. What, two weeks? Yeah, it was almost a week to 10 days later. And I said, are you guys ever going to talk to us? And the first 48 hours wow. are most important. And they said, well, we were letting you grieve. And I'm going, but my point being, how do you know it wasn't something involving me? You never came and investigated me. And then I talked to one of the prosecutors later and she said, David, we tore your life apart. And you didn't even know it. And other than speeding tickets, we couldn't find nothing. You've never had a run in with the law. You've never had nothing. And I said, but that's the not de- the point. The detective that's never. That's not the point. I said, to me, I know they took Shane to the sheriff's office that evening. But to me, it seems like the next day or something, they would have started questioning the family. The family a little bit to make sure. It wasn't something on our side. Well, not only that, even even not to make sure that it wasn't something on our side, to get a little bit of an idea of what who Brittany was or what kind of people she was and around. Exactly. And they had no interest in it until yeah. we reached out. Yeah, I mean, just understanding what's happening in the victim's life that 
only probably her family, sister, parents could divulge. I mean, like, you know, that that is a huge oversight because you're trying to figure out who, what are the problems she's dealing with? Did she have any threats from before? Is she scared of anybody? Like, how could they not, like, just talk to you guys to understand that stuff? When BCI come in and started investigating it, he says, I'm going to have to do an interview with you guys. And I said, well, we did one with the first detectives. He said, well, there's no record of it ever being done. In fact, the guy from BCI and I sat down and talked. And I was talking to him about um, her necklace that she had on and pictures that should have been, that were taken and stuff that would, would be in her file. And he said, well, he says, I'm going to tell you now. He says, none of that's in our file. He says, there's a bunch of stuff that is missing and stuff wow. that wasn't done right. And he said, I'm going to tell you now. He says, I can't tell you it was done on purpose or not. But he says, there are mistakes in this case from the beginning, from the get go that rookies wouldn't even make. We did think there were several mistakes, but I had no idea it was as severe. I cannot believe you guys were not questioned. Yeah. When you came to them with that, what was their, not defense, but what was their reasoning? They said they were letting us grieve. They want to let them grieve, I guess, because that, that, that's what but they that, said. That's, yeah, yeah but that's no not, that's not a, a reason to not ask them questions. The first meeting we had with the prosecutors. Can I ask you, after they said that, and, and they did finally come and speak to you. Did it feel like they were on the right track in terms terms of like digging for more information on Brittany? Or did they do it right when they finally did it? I guess is what I'm wondering. No, do you know? No, I don't think I don't think they ever did the whole time they were messing with them. Well, the first meeting we had with the prosecutors, when we left, I, I we got back in the truck and was leaving. And I said to Mary, I said, I have a problem with this meeting. And she says, well, I said the sheriff's department controlled the whole meeting. Everything mm-hmm. that was... The two officers there didn't yeah. let us say anything or Mary. really speak. And so I I called the... We're sitting in the parking lot and I called the prosecutors back and I said, David and I are not happy with this meeting. And she said, why? And I said, well, because I feel like it was a controlled meeting. I said, mm-hmm. um, by the two officers, I said, David and I didn't get to tell you anything, really. And I said, we've mm-hmm. got a lot to tell you. I said, I've got notebooks of information to tell you. And she said, well, she said, let's have another meeting. So when we had that other meeting, that's when David and I said, we'd like BCI to come in. We'd like someone above Brown Mm -hmm. County to come in. We told him what we knew and stuff that we had uh, that I had written down and this and that. And that's when they looked at me and said, well, I guess we kind of dropped the ball on this, didn't Mm -hmm. we? And I said, yeah, you did. The first 48 hours is the most important. And that's when they decided to bring BCI in. And that was three years into the case. Other than the fact that they didn't speak to you, was there anything else, like any other big investigative hole that you think they left that probably could have only been filled in those first part of the investigation? The detective that was working it, I kept saying, why can't we bring someone else in on this? And their response was always, this will be handled in-house. The only thing we're going to use BCI for is their criminal lab to have stuff tested. Yeah, if we need something tested. Other than that, it'll be handled in-house. And that always concerned me because to me, the more eyes you got looking on it, you may pick up something that I don't see or someone else may pick up something that, you know, neither one of us. And so that always kind of questioned. I will say it's a little different with Quinn because I had a lot of contact daily with the other ones. And Quinn, which they said, Quinn himself said it shouldn't have been done that way. That yeah. puts the family on a roller coaster ride. It definitely does because they were all the time being like, oh, oh we're, we're close. We're almost there. We're getting ready yeah. to solve it. It'll be solved this year. 
And then we would get to Brittany's memorial. Another year would pass. We'd be at the memorial. The sheriffs would be there. And we're like, you told us it would be done this year. Oh, well, we had a setback, but we're working on something new was always the response that they had. Right. Right before we would do a memorial, it was like all of a sudden the sheriffs had all this new information. It was really going somewhere. And then it would go away as soon as the memorial was over. Yeah. You yeah. see, Mr. Mm-hmm. Ellis and Mr. Quinn are different in, in the aspect that they say, you know, they want to they want to acknowledge us and they'll, they talk to Dave and we have a meeting here and there. But they'll flat out tell us we don't want to put you on that roller coaster ride again. And they'll say we're working on something. This is the avenue we're going down. But that's as much as we're going to tell you, right. which is the way it should be, in all honesty, because they need evidence and they need this and they need that for court. That shouldn't be out in the public eye. If if you remember in the beginning of the case, every time that the the sheriff's department made a move, they slipped it out to the news or they this and that. And it shouldn't have been done that way. Well, and Mm -hmm. that brings up a question there to me was it's like it was in the newspapers. How many bullet holes were in the Jeep where the Jeep was shot? And I'm going, if somebody come forward and had information, how could you know if they really knew or not? Where if that wasn't out there, and someone said, hey, there was five rounds put in the driver's door. Here's where they went in. Then you know that they know what they're talking about. But when it's mm-hmm. out in the paper, and that's... But in the same token, when all that was going on and everything... The Tommy Lopez thing. Shane. Everything, everything that she gave the police was in the newspaper. Was in the newspaper. She had gotten... Yeah, it was all stuff that she had read is what yeah. she knew. Yeah, I suspected it was either public or the police themselves fed it to her because sometimes yeah. they do it by mis- without meaning to even give yeah. information. And, yeah. and, you know, the detective called me that, that was the first one and he was telling me, you know, about the Lopez and the girl that was giving the information and I said, well, I've got a question. And he says, what's that? I said, is she in jail? Yeah. Oh. I says, is she asking for reward money? No. Yeah. I said, there is she asking to get out of jail? Nope. I says, then she don't know anything. And he says, well, why would you say that? I said, if you've got a playing card like that, you're going to use it to get out of jail or get reward money. You're not Mm -hmm. just going to give this up freely. And put yourself in danger. Why would you do that if there was no reward for you? I can only expect that this is a very inexperienced police department when it comes to these kinds of issues, because an experienced police department or experienced investigators and detectives would be like, we have seen this rodeo before. I mean, like inform people who are trying to like trade information for some, like this happens all the time. I do appreciate the fact that they did not keep pushing on that and say, we're running with her story. Like they tried, they did try to corroborate it, found out there's no foundation and then didn't bring charges. But even now, since they've told that story, there are so many people that have seen it in the media that are like, well, that's who did it. I don't know why they don't arrest him. But they've already went down that avenue. Yeah. When I was researching and I was going through it, you know, I sort of went from the beginning to the end. I said, I was like, well, why didn't they take him to Grant? I was totally invested in the story. And then exactly to your point, David, when I realized it was all out there, I thought, Oh, okay. Yeah, but yeah. I went on that wild goose chase right along with it because I was researching sort of chronologically. So yeah, I can totally see why people would go with that story. What everybody has to remember is Brittany was very, very local. She had a very small circle and her her main circle was her family. She didn't go anywhere. She didn't do anything. So if it's too far-fetched of a story, it's not going to work for the simple reason Brittany wouldn't know him, wouldn't be there, wouldn't nothing. She spent every day with us if she wasn't working at Walmart. And after she had Aubrey, she wasn't even working. And she was here every day. 
Well, that and Brittany was nice and she would be friendly with people, but she was not the kind of person that's going to stop on the side of the road. No, and help we taught her. her she was always very cautious. If she thought somebody was following her in a store and you was behind her more than three aisles, she was having yeah. a breakdown. Her anxiety was going crazy. Yeah. Like she was very she, cautious uh, about that stuff. Yeah. She wouldn't have stopped for anybody. But, and in the same token with what we were talking about, um, it's just like the Jeep and all of her belongings. And as far as I'm concerned, the Jeep was the crime scene and everything that was in the Jeep around the Jeep or whatever is evidence. And they, the judge, give it back to him, give him all that. And BCI, um, the guy that worked BCI told me, he says, in all of my life that I have been in 30, 40 years that he had been working with BCI, he said, this is the one and only case where a spouse has asked for everything back, you know, demanded everything back. Sued to get it back. Yeah. And it being released because that's, that's evidence. That's the crime scene. And the judge ruled that the Jeep was not a crime scene. Well, how could it not be a crime scene? She died in it. The the, mm-hmm. the bullets went through it and into her or however. And that's where she died. So how is that not in a crime scene? No, clearly that's a crime scene. But this is about seven, was it about five to seven years after yeah. Brittany was killed, right? A while. Five. So by then, though, I mean, I would expect the crime lab to have taken that car apart. Like there, everything you can get, they should have gathered by then. So on an evidentiary front, I'm wondering. When he took him to court to get it back, they jumped on the bandwagon of- uh, BCI took it to their crime lab and, and did 3D dimensional- 3D'd everything, the yeah. whole nine yeah. yards. So once they seen that the suit had been started to get it back, they jumped and tried to get all the evidence that they could out of it, all the 3D imaging everything that way they had something to go back on just in case it was released but in the same they should have done that a while ago they should have done that well in advance of like you know that's that's another investigative problem but in the same token wouldn't you think the courts would need that in case there was an arrest or an appeal or whatever and they don't have that now yeah i mean that's the thing i mean if the investigators have not gathered the evidence they need five years after the killing that's on them i mean like and and yeah they could lose a conviction over something like that so i just think that's in a way maybe that loss would actually propel them to do what they should have done years earlier but that's that's a big that's a that's a big boo-boo that they just didn't even do anything until then. I mean, I don't know how much they processed it. I'm sure they processed it to some extent. Did they give the whole Jeep back or did they take yes. things out of the Jeep, like like no, the he, he like the, the door and stuff? Even the door and the window with the holes and everything. Yep, everything. Ooh. Everything. But he gives he give like the top of the door and all that back to the sheriffs afterwards. After he had already got it. But back he'd already back. had it, so that could never be used in court now because it's left their possession. Their possession. possession. So they could never use it. Chain of custody. Right. uh, I have a specific question because we were trying to find this information. And if it's something you, I'm assuming this is something the police are not divulging. So if it's something you know and you're not supposed to tell us, that's fine. If it's something you don't know, that's fine either. I saw in all the reports that, you know, the police said there's no shell casing, so we can't identify the weapon. But they should have had bullets, at least, right? The actual bullets that were left in the car in wherever they landed. I mean, do you know what kind of ammunition was used, at least, in the attack? No. No. At least we don't. There was one bullet supposedly recovered, but they said it was so destroyed that it was beyond... Oh, okay. So that, that could be the issue. After Shane got the Jeep back, he messaged me and he goes, look, right here in the cup holder is one of the bullets laying right here that they missed. 
And I what? called sheriff. I called the sheriff's and they said it was not there. It's when not they, true. He says it was not there when they had possession of it. So no. unless it fell out of the dash or somewhere else and, you know. Was it, it handed over to them, though, eventually? Yeah, yes. but, yeah but it. it you know, yeah, by that's not evidence. You, can't, you can't prove it's evidence because it's done went to someone else's possession. And yeah, and you they, can't prove that touched. it was even even there. So, yeah. what really amazes there's me there's a lot of faults that what we am, found. What amazes me now, though, is the rewards fifty thousand. Yeah. And I asked Quinn the other day. I says, "Is any?" He said, "Nothing. Nothing. Nothing's yeah. been called in. Nothing new. Nothing." You would think that kind of money would bring somebody out saying. Because, you know, it's, money's tight with most people now. You would think yeah. that would really give someone an incentive to talk. To talk, yeah. Rabia, tell our listeners about your beautiful mustard yellow caraway pots and pans. People know I cook a lot. I wrote a book about it. I have never had more beautiful and user-friendly cookware than caraway. It is so beautiful. And I have actually gone to potlucks in the last couple of weeks and just put the food in the caraway pan and taken it. And people are like, what is that? Well, that's because caraway's high-quality ceramic kitchenware, it's free of all of the toxins and toxic chemicals, and they have that naturally slick surface, which means you don't have to use a lot of oil or butter because everything just slides off the pan. It's so easy to clean. I cannot tell you how much I love this set. I've never owned better cookware. It's non-toxic, no toxic chemicals, and they have the gorgeous slick surface, but don't take our word for it because there's over 40,000 people who have raved about their Caraway kitchen product. Also, they have a beautiful array of colors. If you like to cook or you know somebody who likes to cook, you got to get the caraway. So visit carawayhome.com slash solve the case to take advantage of this limited time offer for 10% off your next purchase. This deal is exclusive for our listeners. So visit carawayhome.com slash solve the case or use code solve the case at checkout. Caraway, non-toxic cookware made modern. Let me tell you, I know you host a lot, but whenever I have family and friends coming over, I get a tickle in my tummy and I think, oh my gosh, I have had wild grain in my home for a while now and it's a crowd pleaser. The bread, the pastas, the pastries. I don't tell anyone that it's frozen fresh wild grain. I take the credit. Sorry, wild grain. I don't really buy supermarket bread anymore because wild grain uses a slow fermentation process. It's easier on your belly. It's lower in sugar. It's rich in nutrients and antioxidants and a somebody who cares about these things, it does not trigger the kind of insulin response, you know, the processed stuff you find in the store does. And you'll never get bored with Wild Grain. They're always adding new stuff, new seasonal items, limited time specials to try. And did you know they are the first ever bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough bread, pastas, and artisanal pastries? The very first. That's amazing. Also, you know what? Wild Grain donates six meals to the Greater Boston Food Bank for every new member. All you have to do is sign up at Wild wildgrain.com slash solve the case. Choose which type of box you want to receive and how often. That's really important. And then you can reschedule or skip or cancel. It's super easy. Yep. Plus for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash solve the case to start your subscription. You heard Rabia, free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash solve the case. That's wildgrain.com slash solve the case, or you can use promo code solve the case at checkout. I'm curious about why or how 
cell phone technology was used to investigate the case. I mean, I'm assuming this is 2013. 13, right? And so they should be able to locate, geolocate where Shane's phone was and where others were in this situation at the time. Oh, he had more than one phone? Yes. Yes. Shane had more than one phone? Yes. How many phones did he have? I know of two. Three. So Why? One was for work. One was supposed to be his personal. And so did they do that for this person that Shane keeps saying, I know who did it. I know who did it. I'm not going to say I had a little mini hissy fit about this yesterday. But it has that person's phone been has that person been turned into the sheriff? He won't tell anybody who it is. is. At first, Shane believed it was the ex-boyfriend. Dustin Bucket. Dusty, right? They proved Dusty was at college. They proved exactly where he was at. They're up in Northern. They had him on camera at work. Yes. So they knew, you know, that didn't work. Well, then he gave another name and they've looked and looked into it and there's nothing there. So the two names he's given have been false. It's false. But he says he still knows now. But now he says he knows. He says he knows and he knows why. My question is, if he really knew and he knew why wouldn't and he's now made it public wouldn't the person that do it come after him i would think mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that was doesn't of, make sense to me that is one of the things that that on the facebook page several people have commented about when he did the podcast is when they ask him who it was he says i'm going to take the high road and walk away and a lot of people have commented and asked about that and the answer i gave and i'll give now is I can't speak for Shane. I don't know why he said what he did, or if he really does know, we don't know. So we can't speak for him. But my hopes is that if you would know something or you did know something, if you to say something, like speak up. I'm a big believer in if you see something, say something. Mm -hmm. So to me, it would be worth getting our family peace. It would probably give him a little peace if he did know. It would give Aubrey an answer. You know, it would be helpful all the way around. So if he does know something, I'm hoping that he gets to the point where he gets the confidence or the comfortability to actually help the investigation and lead them to who he says does it. My thing is, if I don't know how not saying something is taking the high road out, to me, that's a coward's way. And either way you look at it, there's still a killer on the loose that attempted to kill Aubrey. And did manage to kill Brittany and the baby. So that that person is still out there. How do you feel Mm -hmm. safe knowing that that person's out there if you know who did it? I just assumed that he's not saying this name publicly, but he's told investigators that this is who I think it is, like in confidence. No, no. No. Ooh. That is the way when he said that. That is what how I took it. He said I've mm. turned the name into the authorities, knowing the two yeah. in the beginning. I asked Emily this question yesterday. Do you know who killed Brittany? No clue. We don't. And none of us know. And that's that's our biggest problem is we don't know. But we're definitely not gonna falsely accuse anyone. One one I thing- mean, we all have our opinions. Just like anybody right. out there that listens to our story. One plus one is two. Two plus two is four. You have your opinion. One thing that um, I kind of question that Shane said in one of the podcasts is it might have been intended for me. Well, if it was intended for you, then you need to say this is why I think it could have been intended for me. Right. You you know what I mean? Step up. Be a man. Not take the coward's way out. Beyond this person killing your daughter and sister and grandchild, 
and niece or nephew. He also has other children. And he has another partner, from what I understand, and other family members. So I don't understand much like you, it seems, I don't understand what high road we're taking here because we're here to protect our loved ones. We're here to protect our children, our family. And so you're protecting this perpetrator? Who is this high road for? Was my main question that I had yesterday when he kept saying, I'm not going to do that. Because if it were me, I'd say I need to protect all of my loved ones because this murderer has has absolutely no problem with shooting an innocent baby. Exactly. How is on the loose? And if it is fear, you know, there's a, there's avenues you can go into to talk to the sheriff's department or BCI and tell them, you know, what's involved in it or what caused it and why you're scared. And they will do their best to, you know, not only put those people away behind bars, but to protect you. That's why we have law enforcement. So why not use the law enforcement that we have to protect your family and keep them safe? And that's for anybody out there that might know something. There are ways to let them know what's going on that you don't have to fear. You can even do it anonymously. You can do it anonymously. And you know, another thing that really bothers me with the Jeep situation, Shane let it be known that he's not going to let one bad memory trump all the great memories he had in that Jeep. To yeah. me, that one bad memory outweighs, is, outweighs a million great memories. Yeah, I thought that was so weird when he said that. Yeah. Well, sometimes when he brings Aubrey to me, he's driving the Jeep and Aubrey, it breaks your heart. And Aubrey says, Papa, I know that upsets you to see the Jeep. And it, it does. Yeah, she'll apologize to me. And say, Mammy, I'm sorry. And then you have, which this always bothers me, you have people that are like, oh, yes, Brittany was killed in the Jeep, but she died very quickly. When you're in pain and agony, two minutes to someone else might feel like a lifetime. Mm -hmm. So to sit there and say, well, she didn't feel any pain. She died instantly. How do you know? Have you ever been executed like that? Well. You don't that's know. That's an awful thing to that's say. Not to an, any that, that's yeah. not any solace. That's not any solace. There's a lot that of people that that's what they, they try to like reassure you by like the way she was killed, she died instantly. I talked to one of within, them. Within two minutes. That yeah. two minutes could have felt like a lifetime to her. That two yeah. minutes, her, her life flashed before her eye. And I imagine she worried about that child sitting beside her. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry anyone ever said that to you. That's yeah. a horrible then, thing that's to atrocious. say. Craig LaBelle that found, found Brittany. He, he's apologized to me several times. He said, I was so focused on Aubrey crying in the car seat wanting her mommy that I never went to Brittany to check her pulse or nothing. He says, I can't remember if I did. He said, I can't remember. He says, you know, could I, and, but they said the bullet pierced both lungs and Brittany's heart. So she, there's nothing that they could have done. Anyone could have done. Yeah, they her. said they couldn't have saved her. I hugged his neck and I told him, I said, um, he Don't drove, you worry about it. I said, uh, you you saved my granddaughter. He drove all so, the way from Carolina up here to see us and sit. Yeah. We've, yeah, we've good become man. good friends. They, I can't imagine the shock he must have had in that moment. I, I, If I came across a scene like that, anybody, nobody's prepared for anything like that. Like, you know, he's not a, fir- he's not a first responder. Right. He drove by and he missed the road he was supposed to take. They were headed to New York to visit family. And he said he turned around and when he turned around, he noticed the Jeep was still sitting there with the lights on. And he turned back around to the Jeep and he says, I got to check on it. And he says, when he opened the door, Aubrey was crying for her mom. Yeah. 
But, yeah. but you know, we had one of the first, the, all the first responders and stuff that were, they were there. Awesome. They've gotten to be, we've all gotten to be real close, good friends. And one of them, in fact, almost quit. First uh, run he'd ever been on becoming an EMT. Yeah. And he almost quit. Young, young man. And it. he was going to quit over it. Yes. And we went up and met him and talked to him and he stayed with o- over the trauma of the situation. Yeah. yeah. It was very, very traumatic for those first responders because around here they had never seen anything like that. So a lot of them had issues after responding to it. Um, mm-hmm. and we definitely, we took them up there and we let them see Aubrey and it reassured them that she was okay. They did like a Easter thing. Um, and they had the Easter bunny come and Aubrey got to meet the Easter bunny. Yeah. So we encouraged them that even though they went through this traumatic experience, that we were thankful and that they needed to continue, continue on with what they were doing. They were saving lives. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I am sure you guys have been through every imaginable scenario about like, who could it be? Who could it be? What happened? Did you ever consider whether or not it was possible that this was like not a targeted attack? a hunter, a kid with a gun, like something that was really random? Well, it would be hard for a hunter because there's five rounds put in a door that's less a foot pattern. And so that was a pretty skilled shot. It was, did in, it. August. And it was in August. It was in August. 60 mile an hour. Nearly it took impossible. a very good shot to put those yeah, in that very small pattern. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked to the sheriffs and they do not feel it was any kind of a road rage or, no. or anything. They said it was too calculated. Yeah, this was too targeted. They were able to get Brittany in a remote area where there was no witnesses, nothing really around. Just based on how she was shot and the way the bullet holes are, they say that it was too calculated and too advanced to just be some random shooting. Is Shane a gun owner? Yes. Is he experienced and skilled? I have no idea. Yeah, I have no, no idea. idea. In Ohio, do you have to register all of your guns? You're supposed to, now but if I buy a gun and sell it to you, I mean, obviously, you're not going to go through the paperwork to register. Anyone that's right. bought so, new is registered. Yeah. Buying new, you're mm-hmm. registered, but buying used, you're not. Right. right. When you say it's August, does that have to do with hunting seasons? Yes. What do you, so it, it, there, there is like not a lot of hunting in August. No, no. no. no I don't think there's. A, there's no. I looked that up too. It's too hot a weather. It's too hot a weather. Uh, where she was shot at is too big. It's a farm. It's a big, too big farming field. One side is cows, it's cattle, and the other side is like cornfields. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then there's a winery up the next corner. Right. Yeah. So I mean, it's not. She literally landed the jeep in the trees, right in between the field and the road, the cornfield and the road. It's a small small patch of wooded area. I know that you guys have done so many interviews and on the news and podcasts. And what is the one thing you walk away with saying, you know what we never talked about? What's the one thing that you think you haven't said either about Brittany or about the situation or the investigation that you can tell us today? Well, actually, probably nothing. We talked. We love talking about Brittany, so it keeps her with us. It, it, I, I always tell everyone they'll accidentally call Emily Brittany or whatever, and I said that's okay. We don't mind it. We've heard Brittany's name today, but Brittany was just a loving person, and she had a lot of love for life, and she had a lot of life in her, and she loved being a mother. She was a new mama. She loved that, and her and I had just gotten to the point where her being a new mother and everything her and I had gotten to the point where we could be friends 
And instead of mother, daughter and me correcting her, that kind of thing growing up, we got to be friends and I didn't have enough of that. It wasn't long enough. I definitely would say that our intentions have never been to accuse or, you know, we want the truth to bring negativity to our case. We've just tried to do the work to get the attention brought to our case to get the help that we need in solving it. We need the answers. We have Aubrey that's going to ask us for those answers someday. And all of us. And and provides us a little bit of peace to know know that it's not out there unsolved and nobody is paying for a crime that they did. I know we had a meeting with the sheriffs the other day and he wouldn't tell us what. He just says we're working on new technology that we've never ever done before. That's great. Mm-hmm. He said this is a you know, this is a new road for us that we've never traveled, but we're we're going down it. And we are we're definitely not gonna go anywhere. We're not gonna go away. We're no. definitely gonna keep yeah. advocating for Brittany until something is done. Somebody took something that wasn't theirs to take. And yes, she's in heaven, but our love for her goes on and on and on. You guys are tremendous. And we have a very, very loyal listenership. We have wonderful listeners who research and investigate and really do love justice. So please just tell every which way that anybody listening right now can help you find justice for Brittany. We want you to share Brittany's story and just remind people that there's still somebody that's dangerous out there on the street that this case is still unsolved and we need people to look at it and call in with tips and provide information any way that they can that's helpful. We will take all the help that we can get. Prayers are, are wonderful. We appreciate appreciate every every prayer and thought and just knowing that she's not forgotten. She'll never be her, forgotten. We don't want her to be forgotten. We don't want her to be a cold case file sitting on a shelf in some department. That's always been our mission to keep her story and her case active so that we could find some justice. Well, my prayers are with all of you. And I said this yesterday, but I really do believe in my heart that this case will be solved. I think that the era we are in with new technology coming out and the evidence they should physically have on hand, I think it's just a matter of time. I really do think. And it sounds like you've got the right team working on this now. So, you know, Godspeed to them. Yes. Well, thank you. Thank you for showing an interest. And thank you for doing the interviews and talking to us and wanting to share her story. And anytime you want us to bump the story, you let us know. Join the Facebook group. You know, like people are there. We are here to support you. Yeah. Yeah, Emily, if you definitely, when this goes live, please share the Facebook group with our group because that just getting, you guys are doing all the right things. I really mean that from the bottom of my heart. Seriously, we've seen so many cases and I mean it when I say I can really, really feel your love. I can. Just even in your news interview, I'm going to get choked up again, (laughs) just in your, your news interviews and we cannot even begin to understand your pain, but we are here with you. And if there's anything we can do, please let us know. Our platform is your platform. Anything we can do to help. Yep. We appreciate it so very much. Thank Thank you you guys guys so much. You have a great rest of your day. You too. Thank you. You too. Are you okay, Ellen? I know. They are the sweetest family. I just get... When parents cry, I cry. It's just a rule that I have. And they're just so precious. It's completely against the laws of nature to have to bury your child, but then to have your child taken away in such a tragic way and not having answers nearly a decade on, I cannot imagine the ongoing trauma of it. And then it happening on David's birthday. 
Mm-hmm. Oh my god, that's a, that's yeah. something I didn't want to bring up. I I was thinking about. It. I was like, no, don't just don't just leave it. I mean, yeah. what can be said about it? What can be said about it? I know, and I mean it when I said I said Emily, we we just want to talk about it. She's like, great. How about tomorrow? Let's do it. I was like, yeah, amazing. They just want her name out there and they know how valuable that is. And I just, I love that for them. It is really this kind of dedication and pressure of a family. Like, you know, they're like, they're, we're in constant contact with the sheriff's office. Like it is this kind of pressure that I think will get this case resolved because that's what it takes. It is easy for an investigative agency to let a case go cold when there's not a lot of pressure and not people aren't really poking around about it and asking for accountability. When you, when you've got the public listening, you've got podcasts being made and the family like on you, then that propels resources towards the investigation. And I I think that I really do believe that they're going to get some answers. I hope so. So please give them a follow on all of their social media. Please, if you have not already, give us a follow as well at Rabia and Ellen on all platforms. We love hearing from you. And if you want to continue the conversation in our Facebook group, we always have great conversations, questions, articles. You can meet all of your other Rabia and Ellen listeners in there. It is a great time. You can find us at Rabia and Ellen Solve the Case Discussion Group. And don't forget, we have a live show coming. Coming. Are you excited, Rabia? I'm excited because the energy, the first time we did this, I'm like, we just kind of match it. Yeah. But I love Atlanta. I love Payne Lindsay. Rebecca Lavoy is going to, it's just going to be like a party with friends. Yes. So please. Did I mention head- the sequins? Did I mention the sequins? And, yeah. and Rabia Chaudhry will be wearing sequins. <laughs> so head over to. I don't to- wear sequins normally, look. You're going Let me to. do it. I know. Head over to any of our social media platforms and click on the link to see us live and get your tickets for May 4th in Atlanta at the Punchline. And also join us on the Patreon. That is where we're continuing all of our extra coverage. And not for nothing, we have a lot of great stuff there waiting in the Patreon. Yeah, we talk about all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Outside the case too. People can get early access episodes. They can get double drop episodes. We have Zoom conversations. You know what I think we should do? What? I feel like we should bring in our daughters to the Patreons once in a while. I think it'd be fun to have Lola and Hanifa on. Wouldn't that be cool? Done and done. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. So join us. There's a tier and all kinds of goodies waiting for you. We really appreciate you supporting us being able to create more of this podcast. And I love doing this with you, Rabia. Love you, Ellen. I love you. And thank you again to the Dodson family and everyone. Take care of each other.